Hey everyone, this is Amy Steele, also known as Ginny, from Friday the 13th, part two. And when I'm not studying up on child psychology, I'm listening to the Nightmare Junkhead podcast. Weaving in and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that is always up for a little steak tartare. My name is Greg D, and on today's episode, we're continuing our celebration of Women in Horror Month by feasting upon the cannibal cult classic, Antonia Bird's Ravenous. But before we get into that, let me remind you we're part of the Boom Howdy Podcast Network, and you can find all of our episodes at boomhowdy.com. Or the easiest way to listen in is to simply search for Nightmare Junkhead in your iTunes or SoundCloud app, hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it'll download directly to your listening device of choice. And don't forget, if you are on the social media, the social media, I'm so freaking old, uh, but if you are on Twitter, you can follow our social shenanigans on Twitter at Nightmare Junk and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. Now, obviously, you can see, we, you can hear... No Genius McGee this week, so obviously something is afoot, something is run afoul, and a couple things here in the Midwest, uh, due to this crazy kind of ice storm we have going on right now, it's kind of like we're in the uh, the thing here, the Antarctic, the uh, isolation, desolation, everyone's looking at each other differently, no, uh, we've uh, due to ice and illness, unfortunately, our planned Near Dark episode that we were going to release today has to be postponed. We are going to continue to look into that uh, Catherine Bigelow classic, um, but unfortunately, due to that, we couldn't release it. But we wanted to make sure to put something out. So today we are going to release, this is our Nerds of Nostalgia episode that was released for the month of January, but just so co happened to be released on the 1st of February, and it's perfect for Women in Horror Month. Uh, in fact, on the podcast, we mentioned Nightmare Junket, and we mentioned Women in Horror Month, so the connection is right there. So hopefully you enjoy it. Now, I will say this. Uh, Nerds is a little bit different with the live format, so it's a little bit of a different vibe, though. If it's not your thing, no worries. We'll continue to go back into the normal format next week with a very special guest as well. But from the month of February, here in the month of March, uh, for the third year in a row now, we are going. We are continuing into the mouth of March Madness. And if you're not familiar with that, what we do is we take a look at. We go 32 films, and we put them in a uh, tournament bracket, March Madness style. And if you're not from, if you're not a sports ball fan, that is basically uh, college basketball. <clears throat> All the teams are put in this bracket, and people guess who's going to beat who, who ultimately wins the entire thing, and that's what we do with all these horror films. And we broke it up into, we looked at eight films from the past 40 years. So this year, in 2019, we're looking at eight films from 1979, 1989, 1999, and 2009, and we've got some 
phenomenal films in there. And the best part about it is not only do we kind of we basically we try to put an academic edge to this particular thing. Uh, so regarding the debating and who's going to you know what films move forward, we do have some special criteria. So there's there's some structure there. We, as we like to say, we show our work. And the other really nice thing is we've always at this point invited other podcasts and special guests to come in and talk these films with us. And this year is no different. We've got a stellar lineup of people that have been kind enough to take their time and talk these films. So it's going to be a lot of fun. That happens here in March. But I mention this because as we were going through everything, we always do a little segment occasionally called a, a Shutter Shoutout. Uh, we love Shutter. We are not sponsored by Shutter. We just enjoy them. You know, we we talk about what we love here on the podcast, and we love Shutter. And we realized Shutter is kind of the unofficial sponsor of this year's Into the Mouth of March Madness. We had a large number of films that we were able to stream on there. So thank you, Shutter. Thank you, Shutter. And thank you, Shutter. Also, as this episode is released here, this is going to be uh, on February eighth. Is streaming exclusively on Shutter right now. If you know the podcast, you know we love us behind the scenes documentaries. And when you give me like a horror documentary focusing on some of my favorite films, I'm in. And at this point, you'll be able to stream it. So this is your chance now. If you've been waiting to hold off on Shutter, this is this is the time to check it out. Uh, it is called Horror Noir: A History of Black Horror, and it goes all the way from like Birth of a Nation to Get Out. And it basically talks about the black experience in the horror genre films. Um, and it basically goes into you know, how tropes were created, how they've been um, turned around at this time. And it's a celebration of from, the, from oh my goodness. Well, it's also a good look at, you know, have we come a, a long way? We are making progress, absolutely. But man, we still got such a long way to go. But there's two things that I think that it really stresses, but it basically looks at like perspective and representation in these genres. And I, you know, you know me, I, of course, teared up several times throughout it. Um, but ultimately, it's a great celebration. And if you have been waiting and holding off on Shudder, this is your chance to check it out. It gives you a lot of insight and just a lot of love. And it just shows you how awesome the genre is, especially horror. So um, thank you, Shudder. And thank you, everyone behind that. Ashley Blackwell. Obviously, we're huge fans of uh, Graveyard Shift Sisters. It's it's so good. It's so good. And also, I'll say this. Um, much like uh, One Cut of the Dead, make sure you stay through, all the way through the credits. You'll never hear the monster mash the same way again. Um, so, again, thank you for listening. We will go back into our Celebration of Women in Horror Month officially next month with Catherine Bigelow's cult classic Near Dark. So, hopefully, you'll enjoy this little appetizer that is ravenous. <laughs> Well, we are nerds indeed here on the Nerds of Nostalgia podcast, coming to you live from the coldest compound that is Screenland Tapcade here in Kansas City, Missouri. Tapcade, how are all you cannibal crazies doing tonight? 
Nice. There's definitely some energy in the air. Uh, well, my name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And I'd like to welcome those in the audience and those listening at home to our first Monday Mystery Movie Night of 2019. And what a way to kick off, man. Well, you know, we were looking at the, the cold month of January. There are so many different films that we could look at. And we definitely wanted to make sure we differentiated this year in terms of kicking everything off. Yeah. If you remember last year, we focused entirely on movies from the 1980s, we called it. Uh, oddly 80s. And we wanted to make sure we weren't kind of you know, double dipping, so to speak, in the movie field. We wanted to make sure we were kind of expanding beyond the 80s this year. So I will say this. There's real no main theme with what we're doing this year. I think there's no real main 80s movie. Maybe like two there's 80s There's a handful. There's yeah. a handful. Cause, it's you know, us. It's us. There's got to be some 80s movies. We've got to stay on brand. And we didn't do our boner jam of... Uh, We've done that every other year. Yeah. Because if you look back, the year before uh, Joysticks, we did The Burbs. That's right. So every other year, we do a boner jam. So swing. next year's January is going to be a boner jam. It'll probably be something dirty and inappropriate. But um, I'd like to think ultimately one way or another, the films that we look at are dirty and inappropriate exactly if one thing <laughs> pretty dirty and inappropriate and this one was an inappropriate it wasn't dirty it was inappropriate because this, this is to me this is classy true. this is a very interesting film mm -hmm. this is one of those and i guess i should say ultimately by a round of applause who just ingested ravenous for their first time by any chance that's 100% of the audience. That is 100% of the audience. I'm really anxious to see what you all thought of that particular film because, like I said, this is one, it's kind of near and dear for me, mm -hmm. but it's one that had, does not have an audience. No. This one, this one was a cult movie that never found its cult. You know what I'm saying? Because like, it's got all the earmarks of one of those weird cult movies. It's, it's a period piece. It's cannibalism. It's got like stars now you know star studded cast no it's definitely truly a genre mismatch film and i will say this i was lucky enough i saw this originally in the theater Me too with probably about the same amount of people actually Me quite too. honestly <laughs> this is definitely a movie that struggled to find an audience and like you said i think first and foremost it's because it's so all over the place it is it's it's, it's a super dark comedy <laughs> i mean it does and it opens up quite literally with the phrase if you gaze into abyss Oh, no, if you battle monsters, be careful you don't turn into a monster yourself. And then it follows that up with, eat me. So <laughs> <laughs> if that doesn't tell you everything you need to know about the tone of the film you're about to watch, it tells you right off the bat if it's for you or if it's not. Mm -hmm. If it is your taste or if it is oh, not. Oh, I like what you did there. No, that's... <laughs> Boo on you all. That wasn't even me trying to be a bad punter there. Whatever, that's take a... it and run with it, dude. <laughs> that's sometimes the best ones. The un... Uh, own it, I know. Yeah. That's uh, own it, dude. Well, I guess ultimately that was a delicious joke. Oh, oh, there you go. There, <laughs> we should have a checklist here. Yeah, we a do. little uh, an eating game rather than a drinking game, if you will. <clears throat> no, uh, this uh, ravenous uh, brought uh, came out in 1999. So this is another film that is celebrating 20 years. In this case, 20 years of good or questionable taste, mm -hmm. but 20 years of film that we are still talking about. And I'm glad we had a chance, even with a smaller crowd, to actually talk about this movie because I do think it's one of those that is important in the genre. Oh yeah, but it's definitely underlooked this and undercooked literally under and undercooked nice nice this definitely fell through the cracks i mean i said it before but it it, it struggled to find an audience even to even during the video rental days it's still like almost like it seemed like okay there's this movie this movie this movie ravenous this movie and the movie that i'm gonna choose for tonight you know what i'm saying yeah. it was always like 
in the peripheries. But I remember seeing this movie and thoroughly enjoying it in the movie theater, thinking it was really funny, very creepy at times, very cold. This is And this is a good January cold movie. If you go back to our horror podcast we do called Nightmare Junkhead, a few years ago we actually did an entire episode <laughs> focused on movies that you want to watch in the cold. Movies that accentuate the cold that you're in. You know, movies that enhance your current situation. If it's cold, lonely, isolation, hopefully it doesn't drive you to depression you know, or anything, <laughs> but to me this is one of those films that is perfect for a night like this. Mm -hmm. And Especially, this would be a great movie if you're like snowed in. You know, if you're snowed in and you put this on, you might question your sanity. Oh, yeah. No, you make sure you are stockpiled on good snacks as well. No, this definitely falls into the, one of those classic man versus trope that you see and like maybe even classic literature. But I want to first and foremost start there. Uh, this episode is going to be released on February 1st. Mm -hmm. February 1st, if you're in the month, if you're in the world of horror, is always celebrated as Women in Horror Month. And that's appropriate because this film is directed by the late, great Antonia Bird. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, she passed in 2013. <laughs> but this is one of those films that I think also gets largely ignored in the women in film genre, or at least, you know, people that are kind of exploring and looking for good genre films featuring women directors. And the funny thing is that this, the, the woman director wasn't even the first choice. Mm. It had a very, very, very troubled uh, production. They had a director that first came on. I forgot his name, and the cast hated him. And they kind of like mutinized him. And he was like, "I'm I'm out of here." They brought another one, and the same thing. They're like, "He's terrible. He this is not what we want to do." So then it was at Robert Carlyle who said, "Hey, let's get Antonia Bird on here. I think she'll be great." And the cast at first was like, "We don't know," but then they're like, "Okay." Let's do this. And everybody was full on board. And I think you can tell you definitely with a movie like this, you need the support of the cast and crew because mm. this <laughs> yeah. is kind of an ensemble piece. Mm -hmm. So not only did Antonia Bird direct the hell out of it, but man, look at the pieces she had to work with when it comes to a cool genre cannibalistic film. Uh, you're in first and foremost, I guess, you know, in the pantheon of my male crushes, uh, we definitely have Patrick Swayze, of course. Uh, we've got Kurt Russell up there. Uh, we've got mustachioed, no non-mustachioed either or Sam Elliott, and I think you could kind of put maybe he's creeping up the, there. But Guy, Guy Pierce, Pierce, yeah, he's a handsome dude. But yeah. I'll tell you what, I got to give it to Carlisle because like he was entrancing in this movie. <laughs> yeah, his physicality, every little thing about him in that movie is. Oh, when he like went in, in, right before the cave and he got all animalistic and was doing like the whole hand thing and then random things started digging like an animal. That was weirdly intense. I was like, what is he going to do? I mean, I knew what he was going to do, but at the same time, I was like, I don't know where this guy is going because he was so animalistic at that moment. I'll be honest. Anytime I see Lola even doing a little segment of that, whether it's just the or they just the start digging, I freak out. Like, I don't care if it's. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, what is she? And she's going to big dig up a freaking bone knife at some point. I know she's going to come after me with it. And it's just no. But Guy Pierce, there's something about the eyes, those blue steel eyes he has, uh, but also the fact that not only is he just a damn handsome dude, but he is in so many cool genre films. Like, he has crazy genre credibility. I first saw Guy Pierce in The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, and, like, 
ever since then I was I just been kind of watching his uh, acting. Of, yeah, and it's so insane all the different variations that he does from being in Priscilla to this to L.A. Confidential to all these other movies. I would even go as far as uh, he did a really great Australian western called The Proposition, which is phenomenal. Uh, the, and he also technically cannibalized a film. Uh, I should say they cannibalized John Carpenter's Escape from New York. Uh, and, and then everything from like the King's Speech. So he is all over the place. But he does add elements of kind of classy to your film. But then also, man, he's he'll, he'll go full throttle. Like <laughs> he'll get nasty and gnarly, which I appreciate. Mm -hmm. Also, you mentioned Robert Carlyle. Now, Robert Carlyle, if you're a genre fan... He shows up in a lot of stuff over on the other side of the pond mm -hmm. with Guy Ritchie. Yeah, um, but he probably know him best as Bagby, Bagby? From Bagby Train from Train Spotting. Which when I first saw him, and I was like, "This dude is cool." He was like my favorite part of the movie, even though he was a de deplorable person in that movie. He still was like the shining thing, and and he is fantastic in Twenty Eight Weeks Later. That, that movie is gold. We showed it at our second, second uh, yep. Nerdoween, and it is still scary, and he is terrifying in that movie. Well, that's the one thing with Robert Carlyle. It's like him, John Carroll Lynch. There's a lot of these people. They never get to play like nice. They're always unsettling. They're always psychotic. There's always there's something wrong with them. Yes. You do not want to turn your back because they might lick you. <laughs> Somebody's licking me. But no, he always plays crazy he does it really well um he just adds an uh, there's an element there's an element of menace to his performance and he goes all the way from like just this cowering figure to someone that is commanding and eating and consuming mm -hmm. as you would in a cannibal film and i like the fact that this is about the wendigo something you don't you don't get a lot you don't there's not a lot of wendigo movies out there unless unless you are a fan of alpha flight who they often uh, battled the Wendigo from Marvel Comics. And that's what I was always familiar with, Wendigo from the comic scene. The so Wendigo. Wendigo. So when they introduce Wendigo, I'm all for that. I'm thinking, okay, let's get Alpha Flight involved. Let's get Puck. Let's get everyone from the Marvel community. But no, no, no. It's a classy period piece plus Wendigo. Have you ever played that game Until Dawn? I have not. Okay. So it's one of those games that's kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure PlayStation game where you can, like, it's basically like, like five teens in the woods and you got to solve this mystery and depending on what you choose depending on what kind of horror movie it becomes um and there's a really dope wendigo plot in that game really yes it's very cool now does it involve again is there are people eating each other or is there a yes. li literal wendigo yes, out yes, there yes 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 it's people eating above? each other and then becoming a wendigo and it's directed the game is directed by larry fasden too many cooks so, and he's in it too. It's pretty dope. And if you don't, if you don't know Larry Fessenden by appearance, he is one of those guys. He's brilliant, a great director, but he he, he looks, looks like too many cooks. He looks like the villain from Too Many Cooks. It's ridiculous. It's a little unsettling in and of itself, right there. Now, one of the other things that, in terms of cast, and we're eleven minutes in, so I guess it's appropriate. Let's do it. There's one of my all-time favorite character actors is in this film. However. His name at this point in time, it's not a killing word or a killing term, but unfortunately, it just brings a lot of bad baggage with it. But Jeffrey Jones is in this movie. He's fantastic in it, but he's a goddamn diddler. So, like, for those of you who don't know, Jeffrey Jones, he was uh, Rooney in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. He was the duck overlord in uh, Howard the Duck. But unfortunately, and he's, in, he's the dad in Beetlejuice. He's Mr. Dietz. He always does so well being a great character actor, but unfortunately, his 
proclivities off screen leave something to be desired. Like I wouldn't even have you like Google search Jeffrey Jones for ending up on a special list of a special list. Like I didn't even want to like Google all that. Just let's just say that unfortunately. And then that's what that brings me to the question of can you separate the art from the artist cuz when I watch Jeffrey Jones, sadly, my whole thing is I'm watching him going, "Oh, you're a great actor." But you're goddamn diddler. Oh, you know, I, so it's and like, I can't even I can't even watch his movies now without separating that. Like I watch I watched it the entire going out. That's Jeffrey Jones, great, ca- but but oh. at least he at least he was just in Beetlejuice and not Beetlejuice. Hey, come here, I got something good for you. You that know what I mean? That would have yeah gone an entirely different thing. I think <laughs> Tim Burton would have given away to like Gregory Dark or something like that. I think <laughs> there's a deep cold for you. That's uh. <laughs> But no, I agree, and it's a shame when that when that Let you fight. T- oh, go on. <laughs> Don't go there. That's a deep cold cut for many other people. Um, but no, it's a shame, and that's one of the things that it bothers is, me because you just he's see, like he's a diddler. His his he his, his reputation is tarnished, and no matter how great he is, I can still watch Beetlejuice. I can separate the art from the artist, but like you said, in the back of your mind, it's like. Ooh, I wouldn't trust Rooney on the bus with all those kids at the end of Ferris Bueller now, you no, know? No, those, those gummy bears that have been warmed up all day in the pockets. <laughs> it's like it's been in my pocket and he just takes it like, oh, and just gets all creepy with it. Just <laughs> There's a lot of things that could definitely be triggering in there that unfortunately uh, we were able to no. avoid in this one. Uh, but the other thing that I think that elevates, he's, he's got to go door to door, man. Uh, but another thing that I think elevates the film is the score. And this is also what I think ultimately makes it so unsettling and so tonally off-putting. Because, like, there's a scene. It's a tense scene where they're running after uh, Robert Carlyle. And it's got that... It's got, like, goofy chase music. But it works. It totally works. And do you know who did the score? Uh, That would be, I believe it was, uh, Michael Nyman and Damon Albarn. Yeah, Damon Albarn, if you don't know, he's the front man for the British 90s band Blur. He also went on to create the Gorillas. So, well, woohoo. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. He's got sunshine in a bag. (laughs) No, and again, we've talked about it before where sometimes the score can either elevate a film and become kind of a character in and of itself. Or there are times, and I, yeah, I take it back to uh, like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, when you can have an ultimately scary scene totally killed by that. Ding, 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 is, is it like Backwoods Benny Hill? It, what it is, is it that? It totally was like Backwoods Benny Hill. <laughs> like, headmistress, I found, uh, I shouldn't have trust that little boy by the dike, you know, and then like, now I got my fingers stuck in my bum. And like, so... <laughs> He's over there chasing around cannibals, patting the old one on the back of the head. Next thing you know, like a British Bobby's chasing him and shit. I, is it bad that I kind of pre- would prefer to see that film, actually, rather than Ravenous? Not that I don't love Ravenous, but goddamn. A cannibal Benny Hill? Oh. That'd be, uh, yeah. That'd be get to filthy. It, get to it, internet that'd nerds. That'd be filthy. I would love it. No, but, but I think the music worked. I mean, even though oh, I'm all for the music. Because it was so weird and so, like... It didn't seem like it belonged, but when you sat back and sat back and just kind of like let it all take in, it totally belonged. It totally worked. So I really appreciated the music. I know a lot of people are like, man, that's what music was bullshit. And I think even when I first saw it, I was like, that music was weird. But now upon reflecting, it, it works very, very well. And again, maybe this is why that it had a hard time finding an audience because people were so off put by number one. And let's face it. 
cannibal films in and of themselves, I mean, this is the pun intended. I mean, it is an acquired taste, truly. It is is a hard pill to swallow. (laughs) Yeah, a hard bone to swallow, if you were the sinew. Um, But no, I think, though, this is a classy cannibal film. And uh, yeah, and uh, when you say cannibal movie, you immediately think of like cannibal, cannibal holocaust, holocaust cannibal or like, yeah, uh avocado women the cannibals. Stuff that's not pleasant yeah. to watch. Right, right, right. You almost need to prepare for movies like that, but for this one I think this is something that I could almost say you could almost show some of the normies, mm-hmm. but prepare them for the gore because that's the other thing in this film. There's a lot of violence. A lot of hardcore violence in it too. A lot of stabbing and consumption. Wet pulpy violence Mm -hmm. like the the violence in this movie hurts and the cave was cool too his like death cave that was some really that whole reveal sequence is just a master class in building tension in because you're anticipating something you know something's coming but you don't know when yeah and they just kill building it building it up and to the point where you get like one of the soldiers um the one with the other crazy blue eyes who did we he was actually in some other film i can't remember which one but Walking Tall, thank you. Oh, man. Was that the... the Rock one or Kevin Sorbo? Kevin Sorbo? You mean Billy Bob? Uh, no, uh, no, Kevin right. Sorbo started, took over the Walking Tall franchise after The Rock left. You're kidding. Kid you not. Really? Kid you not. Oh, that's... Re- oh, man, Hercules, my, Walking Tall. My, my reality has just been shattered because I was thinking Joe Don Baker, not Kevin Sorbo. So, yeah, there's been three Walking Talls. There's been, there's been the Joe Don Baker, which is the fantastic one, the Rock one, which is really damn good, and then the Kevin Sorbo one, which is... Kevin Sorbo walking tall. It's Kevin Sorbo. I'm not going to say he's a garbage human being, but I've only heard things. Um, Now, ultimately, I also, looking at this film, looking at the Wendigo, with a horror film, you can make the Wendigo literal, you know, something that is nasty. But also, what I was looking at this is you could make the Wendigo drugs, addiction. You could make Wendigo the whole manifest destiny, the whole, the fact that we are expanding Consuming our own land and can just, and we're consuming each other in the process of getting more and more and more and bigger. In fact, he even mentioned manifest destiny. We're just all eating each other anyway. Might as well embrace it, which is like his whole message. And it's something that was supposed to be a good thing. It's a God-given right for us to take over this. So I'm not going to say it's a heady film or has some weighty issues going on, but good horror, you can always insert that and make it elevated. So you can say, okay, yes, people are getting eaten. There's some, there's some funny jokes. However, you can take it as a serious look at just how crazy and weird the expansion of the United States was mm-hmm. that was literally cannibalizing every resource, including ourselves, labor, all of those things yeah. come into play. And again, that's not necessarily funny on the podcast, but just to show there are other elements in the horror movie that you can incorporate. Don't worry, gang. We'll get back to the dick and fart the jokes dick and fart here. Jokes the FMK is back. coming up later. We'll so, <laughs> Well, also, just the finale, it's almost like it was like an exercise in excess because every time you think they couldn't stab each other another time, they did. Mm-hmm. Every time you think you couldn't get more gnarly and nasty and wet from blood, they did. They knocked buildings on each other. And it was really cool to see because they were both at that point like super strengthed up right you know they were all fill, they all had their fill and they're filled with vitamins so were, were there any soldiers named phil so we could actually say they had their their fill of phil Nah. Uh, okay never mind never mind well no i mentioned before general consumption oh that's good there we that's go good there it is uh mentioned before this film definitely tackles the tropes of like man versus wild man versus himself man versus wendigo what man have versus you. a cliff because yeah. oh. when he fell off that cliff and he broke his leg that was oh, i heard a yeah. groan i heard yeah just that bone protruding out and then he had to go Pop it back into place. I don't Oof. know if I, I, I think I've talked about it on the podcast before, but I went to uh, 
long time ago, I used to be a skater. And before you say cool, hold off. I wasn't a skateboarder. <laughs> I was a fruit booter. I was a rollerblader. But we were in Chicago at this indoor skate park called Scrap. And there were a bunch of us on the side watching all these people going off this big old launch ramp, right? And they're going up and they're, they're catching air and they're doing all sorts of wacky and weird things. And there's this local from Chicago that goes up. And now we had this thing that we used to do to each other before one of us would go and do a trick. Under our breath, if we were really annoyed with each other, we'd go, just like a little like inconsequential fart noise, right? Mm-hmm. So we're all watching these people do their things, doing their runs at this skate competition. And this kid, I, I think it's Paul, and I'm, I can't remember his last name, Walker. but Paul goes up. Oh, I wish it was. God help us. But he goes off the launch box, and there's like three or four of us, and we all just kind of go, at the same time. He comes down, compound fracture of his leg, bone jutting and sticking out. Several people vomited, like straight out of a movie, because, again, the noise you hear with something like that, as loud as that skate park was, when he hit, and then you heard that little extra bump, and you realize that something just got exposed. Oh, my God. And we were all like, oh, we just killed that kid. Like, what? Like, all, all fun and shenanigans. Oh, shit. That's, I know what you did last skate park. That's yeah. what that is. He's going to come back like the Gordon's Fisherman and fuck you guys up, like fart in your face. Oh, he'll, he'll straight up like kill us on the grind box. Yeah. Uh, he'll put us on handrails. Do some ollies on your back, just like, you know. It was, it was, but it was one of those things that like those compound fractures, they stick out like quite literally. I mean, they are awful when that happens. So from screen to real life, don't do it. Don't do it. I just, well, fucking don't go camping. Like, I wouldn't even go out in there in the wilderness at all. But uh, no, another tackle this thing that this uh, <laughs> what what's it like to be afraid, you know, because it deals with one. He's in, considered cowardice at the beginning and then he has to fight his own fears to take everything back. And do you fight your fears and just goobble gobble or do you fight your fears and just like fight the pressing monster again some deep stuff going on with a with a film all about uh cannibals there so ultimately we're going to kind of get into uh, some of our talking points but yeah ravenous is one i'm glad you guys were able to experience i would love to hear from any of our first time viewers on that one uh but ravenous definitely one we're definitely highly recommending yes 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 Yes. and if you haven't seen it please do i think uh, I think it needs to have sort of like a Halloween 3 renaissance. Well, you know, and it, there is a Blu-ray out by Sh- uh, Scream Factory, so check it out. Well worth your time. It's it's something that, again, with the cannibal, with the whole cannibal genre, it's definitely, it's more of my taste on that. So the first, no, 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 they don't even. First uh, little talking point here is, you know, with um, Ravenous, it definitely is a, a mishmash. It's taking, like we said, elements of horror, a period piece, a Western, a comedy, Throwing it in a big old blender and giving mm. us a big old taste of it. So, one of your favorite genius, what's a favorite genre mismatch for you? Shaun of the Dead. Ah, Shaun yes. of the Dead is such a fantastic mishmash. It walks the line of straight horror and walks the line of comedy, and it handles it quite well, even throwing in some of the old rom com tropes in there. So, that is handled expertly done by Edgar Wright, and it made me an instant fan of Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. So that movie, when I think of genre mismatch, the first thing that comes to mind is Shaun of the Dead. You could even go back to all of like um, Edgar Wright's work. A lot of his work is always a genre, genre mismatch. mismatch. Yeah, like you know, you're gonna get like with Shaun of the Dead, it's mostly horror, but you get some comedy. Mm-hmm. With Hot Fuzz, you get mostly action, 
but then other moments well and like with world's end a little bit of sci-fi and a little bit of a, so yeah no that's a really good one there now i'm actually going to cheat and i'm going to combine my answer with the first two talking points a favorite genre mismatch and a favorite cannibal movie i'm going to cheat here but ultimately this is another one that i'm going to talk about that definitely didn't didn't have an audience when it came out Still kind of struggling to find an audience on home video, but it's another one that is well worth your time. Uh, Neil, Neil Marshall's Doomsday. Yes! Yes! Wow, that was even that, also out there. That movie is gold, dude. That movie is a genre mismatch of like 20 different genres. It's a movie that my buddy Adonis was watching with me, and like halfway through it, he was like, I, I'm, I've got to tap out. This is just too much. I think when we went into the fantasy nights element, he was like, okay, we're just like just like hopping genres at this point. Yeah, because it's cannibal, it's action, it's sci-fi, it's future, it's horror, post-apocalyptic. It's sword and sorcery, it's comedy. It's And if you're like, how in the hell are they doing that? And if you haven't seen it, give it a chance. I think you'll get something out of Doomsday. There's a lot going on it. But again, it is also a cannibal movie. So mm -hmm. a favorite cannibal movie of yours there, genius. Eating Raul. Oh, yes. Eating Raul is a hilarious cannibal movie because it stall stars Paul Bartel and Mary and it's funny as shit, but it's mean. It's a mean movie, but it's hilarious and it's bloodless, but it's all about cannibals. And like... <laughs> Bon Appetit, man. That's, mm -hmm. I mean, well, that shows you, like, we always talk about genres within genres. Even, like, within cannibal movies, you're going to have some that will be a little less bloody. Mm -hmm. Some, like Tonight's, that is just super over-the-top gory. So you've got even, like, little um, hierarchies in your, your cannibal genre, which is kind of nice. So uh, best dish to eat raw, genius. My gut wants to go with cookie dough. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> And, and batters and whatnot like you know like a cake mix like a cake batter or something mm -hmm. and you get to lick the things ah oh, raw cake and raw cookie doughs so good so good that should be your I, I, that sounds like a delicious answer i think you should go with that i'm going okay that's perfect that's <laughs> that's my answer that's 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 my thing and i'm sticking to it i think you should i'm gonna say i'm gonna cheat here and just go the easy route sushi for me is always pretty rad now growing up in the 80s though I always had a weird connotation with sushi, whether it was through the Breakfast Club when they were making fun of Claire for eating sushi, um, or also just it was something that you didn't do. It was like this whole... Uh, it was fancy. It was fancy. It was fancy. It was before before you could get sushi at fucking Hy-Vee, you, you'd have to go like to New York or somewhere fancy. God help us now. We get like gas, gas station, station sushi. sushi. And you know, you know, and don't get me wrong. There's, you know, there are barbecue joints that have stemmed from gas stations that have become wonderful. But man, but that's cooked. That's, that's cooked. You, and especially here in Kansas, a landlocked state, there's not a lot of uh, good sushi places yeah, to, in gas stations. I'm not saying you're, you know, taking a gamble when you eat raw sushi from the gas station. But uh, to quote uh, one. Um, I believe it was Clark Griswold in National Lampoon's Vacation. I'm almost hungry enough to eat a sandwich from a gas station. So yep. whether it's sushi or the bathroom at gas stations, you're taking your you're rolling the dice. So I got a question for you, sir. Uh, so would you ever eat human? Like a, like a, and you know what? It could be your own. It could be a big old chow down on a steak, or it could be like a little little smoky, or like maybe a fillet or a sandwich or something. So are we thinking like a Brazilian steakhouse where I can like get all different cuts of meat? Gourmand's choice. Gourmand's choice. 
I would like ultimately no I would never do that no 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 life or death situation even life or death I don't think I could now that being said for the purpose of a podcast well you know we could probably I mm, depends on how it, I think ultimately for me it would be how it was prepared uh-huh. because you can prepare man you can put in you know um, you know subtle seasoning on things you can make it very spicy you can do a lot of different things. You can cook a lot of things up and make it tasty, including human flesh. So right. So no steak tartare. No steak tartare. The sauce but is the not so- going to I was going to say dish. the sauce makes the dish. No, no, no. The sauce won't make the dish for that. I've got to eat. If I am, it's got to be cooked up a particular way. Almost all uh, uh, like a Korean barbecue kind of thing. Like, you know, have them cook it in front of me would be you, pretty rad. Do you want to have Benny Hanna with actually somebody named Benny? Like oh. <laughs> throwing oh. like, throwing like throw fingers and me. shit at you. trying to. That's yeah. it. <laughs> Truly, true finger food. I, 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 I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go the Benihana route. Throw it to me. Let's make a volcano out of it. I'm good with that. Let's do it. I would eat the shit out of a human. I mean, like, not even in a life or death situation. I would try it. I'm an adventure. I'm an, as you can tell by my girth, I'm an adventurous eater. So, like, as long as there's no dairy in it, I'm, I, I, would, I totally would try. If someone says, hey, I have this little piece of, like, beefsteak made out of human would you try it or like human jerky? I would totally try it. It would be ironic though if ultimately your first taste of flesh did come come from someone that was like just a huge cheese, you know, cheese someone eater, somebody from Wisconsin, yeah. just oh. like <laughs> farm fed, just big old country farmer. Stay but, away from gigs and all the people yeah, associated all the gigs with all the. Be fine, no more gigs. But no, I, I totally. If like especially like if I'm out and about, I think they call they call it what long pork. I think it's called. I think like there's. Yeah, as long as you don't eat the brain, you should be good. Because, I mean, if you think about it, meat's meat. I would totally eat somebody. Meat is meat. Spoken like a true horror fan who's watched meat. way too many Texas Chainsaw <laughs> Dog Massacre. Dog will hunt! And so. Now, okay, I'll go with that. I'll go with that. So now we are going to come to the point of the podcast. And listen, again, we know this whole bit was not funny 20 years ago when people are doing it. We know it's not funny now. But it has become somewhat of a tradition here on the live podcast. FMK, in this case, Fornicate, Mary Kill, Cannibals of Film Edition. So, uh, I and we went back and forth on this one. Yeah, we and did. Honestly, you can incorporate a lot of cannibals from film, but we are going to be focusing on three individuals here. Uh, the first one is going to be one Hannibal, Dr. Hannibal Lecter from Silence of the Lambs. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, you fuck me? <laughs> not quite Buffalo Bill. Uh, we have one Farmer Vincent from Motel Hell. Because it takes all sorts of critters to, to make, make Farmer, Farmer Vincent's, Vincent's fritters. So again, more of a deep cut. And then this one here is more of the controversial poll, but we're going with the soccer team from Alive. Mm-hmm. So FMK, Cannibals of Film Edition. Genius, would you like to go first? Or sure, I? I'll go. Um, I'm going to marry Dr. Hannibal Lecter because he's classy. You know, he's classy. He seems like he'd be a good dinner companion. Like, I, I made dinner for you tonight. <laughs> Right, and then like we sit down, there's some mute, soft music playing. We sit down and talk about our day, and just like you know, and at the end of the day, he's a doctor, so he's got that doctor money. I'm gonna be taken That's care right. of, so I'm gonna marry Hannibal Lecter. That works. Okay, I'm gonna kill Farmer Vincent because he's too much of a yokel for me to diddle, <laughs> and like can't diddle your yokels. I, I don't like no. I don't like. I don't even like yokels, let alone to diddle them, right? And so like he, let's go out and farm. Like no, I'm good. I'm I'm not a farmer. I don't like waking up early, and I don't like doing shit. And if I gotta wake up at five to like feed the people and like the other things and chores and shit, fuck all that noise. 
and I'm going to fuck the entire soccer team, and it's going to be awesome because it's going to be a one-time thing. Oh, and it's just like just a whole, what's the password? Orgy, cannibal orgy, and just sitting there, and like it'd be almost like hedonistic because he'd be like, oh, and just like, oh, would, just, you, would you make Caligula blush? Oh, yes, oh, yes, it would be like, it would be epic. Epic. Oh. And you know they're all like fit and lean and shit and all hungry and emaciated so you can like flip them around and do things. It'd be awesome. Fucking rad. Hell yeah. I, the fact that you're taking advantage of their emaciated state just <laughs> in and of itself is kind of gnarly. I don't know whether or not this one truly might put you on a special I'm list. The biggest there. dog in the yard now. Roof, roof. And just like. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Oh, well, I don't even want to try to follow that, but I will do my best here. So, oh, God, blessed genius. <laughs> so on this one, I'm going to, you know, the, the, the reason you're marrying Hannibal Lecter, I'm going to kill him. Because if you remember right, he's all about class. Yeah. Okay. I know I am not a classy person. If you put me in a classy situation, I'm going to mess it up somehow. <laughs> <laughs> I will be the Rodney Dangerfield. I will be the Thornton Mellon in your classy. And you don't need that. He doesn't need that. I'm afraid that I would commit some sort of like societal faux pas, and then I'm going to end up as like sushi for You're him. wearing white after Labor Day? How? Now it's red. That's too much pressure on me. I got to kill uh, Mr. Elector on that one now. Aww. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to marry the soccer team from alive because mm -hmm. ultimately and again much like you would say there i think they ultimately really appreciate you know the fact every moment they have now on the face of the earth so i think every single one of them and i might be moving to utah for this since it's the entirety of the soccer team but i'm thinking with like all the individual you know backgrounds we're gonna have we're gonna have like a really good life plus you know, we're going to have a great co-ed soccer team. I mean, come on now. We're going to we're going to definitely live it up. But ultimately, watch out for the snacks afterwards. When it comes to getting freaky. Uh-huh. To me, there was only one answer on this one and that's Farmer Vincent because I'm only going to, you know, if you think about Motel Hell, one of the scenes that you if you will actually look up Motel Hell right now, I guarantee you you're going to get an image of one Farmer Vincent with a big ass chainsaw wearing a big old pig head. Pig head. If that's how he gets, if that's what he does outside of the bedroom, can you imagine what he does indoors in there? Like the pig head is probably just like the precipice. That's just like like the the, the tipping point. The big the pig head winds up having a gimp mask on its own, and he's like, and then just zip. I think there could be some good fun stuff of that. So yeah, <laughs> it make him squeal. I think, and then honestly, we'll have some good uh, vittles afterwards after we get True. down. That's so, some Farmer Vincent's fritters. Yeah, Apparently, yeah. they're delicious. It turns out they were made with preservatives. Spoilers. Mm. So this is about the time we would like to invite anyone to come down and talk with us, share your thoughts on Ravenous or any kind of countable film in general. And this is also a good time to go ahead and talk about our nerd knowledge trailers for next month's film. <laughs> I'm so excited for next month's film. It should be pretty golden there. Uh, we are going to be, uh, we looked at, let's say, I believe it was. The Apple. Uh, Megaforce and Skate City. Skate Town, USA, Skate if I remember. Oh, that's there. right. Skate City was where I went to skate. But no, Skate Town, USA. And it's going to be a, a true, it's our musical. It is month. a musical, and it's one that I definitely exposes the softer side of Nightmare Junkhead. And if it's you will. weird as shit. It's truly a weird film, one I am definitely looking forward to talking about. Well, speaking of looking forward here, we're definitely looking forward to this. So we've got a couple of folks here from the audience. So, again, make sure you're talking to the microphone so the folks at home can hear you. But here on my right, who do we have? Uh, Ty. Ty, how are we doing there, good sir? Doing well. Good. And here on the left. 
Frida. Hi, Frida. How you doing tonight? Super fantastic. All right. Make sure we're talking into the... One more time. One more time. W- li- nice and loud. Nice and loud. There it there is. We go. That's what <laughs> we're looking for. So let's start. Frida? Yes, sir. Is this your first time watching Ravenous? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Now, what you may not know, Frida has been here at Movie Nights almost the entirety. And this is the, the first, first time, time she's, she's come almost down. Almost in four years now. So I'm curious, what was it from Ravenous that made you come down? Because I'm excited for this. But what were your thoughts on Ravenous? <laughs> That it was a horrible movie. <laughs> really? Yes. I mean, it was well done and it was beautiful, but oh, no. What, what was it? <laughs> the, the, the vomiting. Oh. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. No, you don't, you don't dig with vomit? No. So, appara- so we're not going to watch any of Peter Jackson's early movies then. No. Breaking bad, we're done. Yeah, no, <laughs> ba- no bad taste. Cancel the vomitorium, I guess. Please. Now, if we had taken the vomit out, could you have stomached it a little bit more? Well, I really like Robert Carlyle, and I was watching him the whole entire time. And I'm, I'm watching him, and I'm like, I'm like, who is he? I just got to find out who he is. And then I realized he was Mr. Gold from Once Upon a Time. And I was like, he's oh, yeah. So, he plays Rumpelstiltskin. And so he's, he's like really intense, and he's, he's evil, but he's not evil, and he, and he did it again. <laughs> See, again, he never gets to play like a nice guy. He's a charming yeah. villain. What I didn't get, though, was the upside-down cross on his head. What the heck was that? Pure Norwegian black metal is what that was. <laughs> but I think, because he had the rosary, so I think it was yeah, some... Yeah, but he got that from Mrs. McCready. Yeah. But I think it was something to do with, like, bringing the power upon us, because even they said, even um, the one guy goes, well, you guys eat the body of Christ every Sunday and it gives you power, so... They did think Catholics yeah. for quite a long time were cannibals based on that exact thing. So it's, again, maybe not your not your taste of a film. I, yeah, I mean, no, not really. This was the first, I think we were talking about it up there, I think this is the first cannibal movie I've ever seen. <laughs> there are worse cannibal movies yeah. to take oh, a first bite I, out I of, trust me. Yeah, that's... <laughs> No. I see what you did there. Oh, 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 you guys were talking earlier about uh, general consumption. Diana and us come with major feast. Ooh. There we go. There we go. That is a good one. So, no, I, at least I'm glad Private you gave it dinner. a chance, though, more than anything. Oh, that's so. Stop that. Stop that. <laughs> so, excellent. Thank you, Frida. So, Ty, first time watching this? or uh, is this It a, was. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Excellent. And your thoughts on Ravenous? I loved it. I'm very much on the other side. I'm a, I'm a big gore and bodily fluid fan in my movies, though. <laughs> In, in movies. Don't dream it. <laughs> but this... Well, we know what your FMK is going to be like. <laughs> this one hit the tone perfectly for me because with all the weird, dark shit happening, you also had, one, the introduction of the soldier might have been my favorite scene in the movie where he's just standing in the frozen river screaming. But building on that character, too, when they recover... Uh, Ives, whatever yes. name he was going by. If you notice, he uh, Reich is taking his knife and carving another knife with it. Oh. Which is one of my favorite character notes of probably any side character ever. That's knife inception, I think. <laughs> knife inception. Yeah. Nice. And then also would be remiss if I did not touch on have you guys seen Hot Rod? I almost put it in my <laughs> notes that's Hill scene. Yes. Yes, I have. There's a scene in here that does rival Hot Rod. In fact, I could not remember the name of the movie Hot oh Rod because God. in my notes it was like Hill Scene, like that one with Andy Sandberg. Uh, what the hell is it, the name of that movie? It was like it was like in The Simpsons when he tries to jump over the gorge. Oh yeah, 
<laughs> it, it works though. It works again. Adds a little bit to the brutality. Um, but ultimately, so let me ask you this, Frida: Would you, are you, would you be be willing to work out? Maybe watch another cannibal movie potentially? I don't know. I mean, uh, it just it's it's. Mm, yeah. Man. Okay. I, I understand. Ain't your flavor. <laughs> no. Mm. I can dig it. I can dig it. So I will. I guess technically we'll skip that question for you. No. No. We'll just. No. We're out. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Ty, favorite genre mismatch. So. You guys know me, and there there is one movie that I think is the perfect summation of a genre mishmash. You take a little bit of 80s action, you take your stereotypical action hero, you get a little bit of sorcery and magicians and some uh, kung fu, some martial arts, and you get John Carpenter's Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> nice. You know, I never thought of that as a genre mishmash, but it totally is. Yeah. It totally is. Uh-huh. Yeah, to- yeah, it works because uh, it's a comedy, it's an action movie, it's kung fu, and it's like you said, it's it's magical mysticism. Indeed, that's a good answer. I, ah. I, I, I. <laughs> okay, we were talking up there, so I, I have I have two. The first one was uh, Repo Man, the genetic opera. Yes, horror film musical, amazing. And then the other one was uh, The Wraith. We saw it here last year, or and oh man, it's a teen movie, it's a race movie, it's a yeah, sci-fi space, movie, yeah, sci-fi, revenge awesome. movie. Yeah. yeah, that's a good choice as well. Now I, I can't remember. Did you enjoy the Wraith? Oh yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, it involved no cannibalism actually. Exactly. So that's always a true to the <laughs> point explosions there. Explosions and car crashes. So it's and sometimes that's what you need, right? <laughs> I agree. Need. I don't know. I bet that bad guy could have eaten a couple of people. The one who was beating up Sherilyn Finn. Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, Mr. Cassavetes, mm-hmm. I believe so. So, favorite cannibal movie there, Miss Frida. I'd have to say this one. This is the only one I've seen. <laughs> that's a great Fair answer. Enough. That is that's, Very, that's about as good as we can ask for them. <laughs> that is the silver lining answer I was looking for. Thank you, Frida. You're welcome. <laughs> Favorite cannibal movie on your side? There, uh, have to go with the original Texas Chainsaw. It the the dinner scene may be the best cannibal scene that I have ever watched in any movie. And take even, it back. I have seen another one. Oh, there it is. There it is. <laughs> there we go. Expanding the horizon through conversation and discourse. That's what this podcast is all about. Go get Grandpa. He's the best. <laughs> oh, there is. And that's a tough. And even if you know the story behind that scene, the fact that they shot it for like, I think it was like like 20 some odd hours because they had the guy in the grandpa mask for like one day. So they had to shoot all of that. It was nightmarish. Yeah, that's a uh, horrible, horrible. And it's a scary scene. I mean, just oh, yeah. disorientating and, and like, and when he starts sucking on the finger with the blood and yeah, that's ah, an awful thing. Ah. So, best dish to eat raw, Frida. Hey, I'm a veggie girl. That's it. <laughs> just veggies. No, no sushi. Mm-mm. No sushi. So, favorite, favorite, best, best raw vegetable. Oh, carrots. By all. Okay. Yeah. Crunchy okay. orange. They're pretty. Carrot juice? Mm-mm. Okay, just straight carrots. Oh, you though. eat the carrot, but not the juice. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Ooh, bougie ass. You ain't eating no vegetables. You could have had a V8. You could, sure. That's no, why she's I a couldn't. little sideways right now, so that's okay. That's okay. I, I can dig me a raw carrot. Tire on your side. Uh, I want to be fancy. I want to say sushi, but as you were talking about earlier, I am a... I wouldn't say victim. I do it to myself, but I'm I go to the gas station sushi and the Sam's Club in Independence, Missouri. You're taking your sushi. own life in your own hands, oh, yeah. man. I, I like to Plain roll the dice. <laughs> that is sushi roulette, there, man. That's, that was actually uh, my uh, my lunch yesterday before heading to Panic Fest. I, oh, <laughs> and then as you spent half the Panic Fest in the bathroom, no. <laughs> 
So, so gas station sushi is oh your favorite yeah. raw food? Absolutely. That is brave. That is brave. Well, speaking Stick of brave, would any of you eat raw human flesh? I'm not going to say no. <laughs> I, I won't watch a cannibal movie, but I'll eat the fuck out of somebody. <laughs> Been there, done that. No. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing said on the podcast is incriminating, so don't worry. Me and you worry. both, sister, right here up top. There we go. Okay. <laughs> Cannibalism. Th- those are questions best left to the suits in Washington. <laughs> That's a good answer. So <laughs> no, then. So no. Huh? No, sure. absolutely. No. You're, I was going to say, uh, you're off the dinner invite list. because I am below the law. <laughs> <laughs> and let's get, let's get classy with cannibals here. FMK, Cannibals of Film Edition, Hannibal Lecter, Farmer Vincent, the soccer team, Frida. How are we getting, uh, what are we, we going to well, do there? Since the only one I know is Hannibal Lecter, I'm going to have to marry him. And let's see, we'll kill Farmer Vincent and... Well, sex with a soccer team. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, yeah, sure. And she's like buying her tickets on the phone to Sporting Kansas City. Just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely now. <laughs> Those boys look pretty. <laughs> soccer players got the endurance. The prettiest over there in the blue cauldron. Don't dream it. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Thank you, Frida. Ty, FMK. So I was originally in line with Genius, Genius on the uh, the soccer sex party, but the, you, all the of fact you people. is, I, soccer sex I had party. to look it up to become familiar with it, and then I saw that Alive is based on a true story, and yes. I was like, I I can't do it. So I just want to take them home, marry them, give them a good life in our little farmhouse uh, with like three people to a room, you know, just, we have a little compound going What's on. What's a compound? <laughs> See, that's real nice. She, he goes, I'll, I'll take care of him over here. I'm going to fuck the shit out of him. <laughs> I'm going to love him and squeeze him and call him George. I was just going to say, we're going to let you guys be on that side <laughs> and we're going to stay right over here and be fine. Then this is a morality line right here. <laughs> I'm good with that. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I, I will have to off Farmer Vincent because I'm not super familiar with Motel Hell. I'll just toss him out and then one night with Hannibal Lecter. That's almost could be That's, the title of my biography. He's going to eat your dingus with fava beans. <laughs> I would probably rent that actually. You know, That's, I don't know how long what? I'd get into it, but that's okay. Those kind of movies they aren't designed for that. So. Brings me some nice wine. Brings me Candy. the delivery guy, and we eat him, and then we just have a nice night together. And then I'm on my way before he gets hungry again. Good call. See, nice. I always love just the element of, you know, the thought that goes into this because that's actually kind of scary occasionally. So did we bring down any prizes? I, uh, I brought we, prizes, know, but they didn't bring okay. them down. We'll give so. them a rain check on that because obviously we are all in the same you thing. You can so. collect your prizes up there when we are done with the show. Ty, Frida, thank you very much for your answers. Give them a round thank of applause, you guys. You guys. <laughs> I'm surprised that nobody, when on their favorite food, raw, if we have a bumper, we should put ODB's Ooh Baby, I Like It Raw. raw. I, I, I threw that on there because I just I figured you'd do something like that. Ooh but. Baby, I Like It Raw. Yes, yes, yes. Well, ultimately, thank you again for everyone for coming out on this cold evening. I'm hoping Ravenous was able to, you know, add a little warmth to your bones, if you will. Like, uh, a, ni- like a nice stew. Oh, that's a, a comfort, comfort food on that one. So, But no, next month is going to get magical, musical, um, and so much more, actually. It's going to be a very interesting, yes, interesting. Yes, it's going to be fantastic. 
fantastic. I think the conversation will be good. So again, thank you guys for coming out tonight. Uh, until the next time, this is Greg D. And I'm hungry as shit. <laughs> Reminding you it's never too late to get nerdy about nostalgia. Nostalgia.